Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar and best friend here for vilifying and grousing, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm story expert and demon stuck in a 12th grade persona, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we are here today to talk about The Prom, the 20th episode of season three. The Prom aired on May 11th, 1999 and was written by Marty fucking Knoxon with Douglas Petrie as story editor and (laughs) Jane Espenson as executive story editor. And directed by David Solomon. Yes, if you don't know by now that Still Pretty is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast, then I don't even know what to tell you. Go watch the whole thing. Come back. It'll be well, well worth it. You were unfaithful to Cordelia, so I took on the guise of a 12th grader to tempt her with the wish. When I lost my powers, I got stuck in this persona, and now I have all these feelings. I don't understand it. I don't like it. All I know is I really want to go to this dance, and I want someone to go with me. So let's go on patrol. In the prom, Buffy and Angel wake up together in his bed after a night of heavy slaying. Buffy suggests that maybe he get some mirrors and a drawer to make his place more girlfriend friendly. And she also tells him he's taken her to the prom. At school, newly humanized Anya is struggling with the internal conflict of knowing men are evil, but still wanting to go to prom. She chooses Xander and he reluctantly agrees. Well, at least we all have someone to go with now. And some of us are go with demons, but I think that's a valid lifestyle choice. Joyce shows up at Angel's house to talk about his relationship with Buffy and to tell him that they can't have a future. And if Buffy won't make the choice to end it, Angel must. At school, everyone is making plans for prom. Even Wesley, who suddenly decides that he's going to chaperone with Giles, and it has absolutely nothing to do with Cordelia saying that he would look good in a tux. And I shall be wearing pink taffeta, as Chenille will not go with my complexion. Can we please talk about the ascension? Giles, we get it. Miles to go before we sleep. But especially if we're all going to vaporize or something on graduation day, we deserve a little promy fun. Angel dreams of his wedding to Buffy, but when he walks her outside of the church and into the sunlight, she burns up instead of him. Later, as they're patrolling through the sewers in search of a vamp, Angel bites the bullet and tells her that the mayor was right. Angel can't give her the future she deserves, and they need to break up. How am I supposed to stay away from you? I'm leaving. After the ascension. After it's finished with the mayor and Faith. If we survive, I'll go. Buffy goes to Willow for comfort. She knows that Angel is probably right, but she's still devastated. Meanwhile, in a cage somewhere, a feral hellhound busts loose from his cage, so that can't be good. In town, Xander sees Cordelia admiring a dress in the dress shop, and he goes in to taunt her because, well, because Xander. While he's there, a shop girl tells Cordy to get back to work, and Cordelia tells Xander that her father lost everything to the IRS. Satisfied? Are you a happy Xander now? I'm broke. I can't go to any of the colleges that accepted me, and I can't stay home because we no longer have one. The hellhound busts through the shop window, and even though Xander hops in to fight it, it goes after a guy and a tux, then suddenly turns and runs out. At school, as they examine the tape, they see a kid outside the shop using some kind of controller. It's a kid named Tucker Wells. He's threatened that the whole school will die at prom that night, and the hellhound appears trained to go after people in formal wear. 
Willow wonders if she should take her dress back, but Buffy is having none of it. You guys are gonna have a prom. The kind of prom that everyone should have. I'm gonna give you all a nice, fun, normal evening if I have to kill every single person on the face of the earth to do it. Yay. Buffy sends everyone out with a job and then tracks down the hellhound food source to a slaughterhouse where Tucker has been getting brains to feed the hellhounds. While she's there, she bumps into Angel, who's getting blood. She tells him about the hellhounds and he offers to help, but she turns him down. At the dress shop, Cordy's leaving for the day when her coworker gives her the dress she's been saving up for. Xander came in and paid it off for her. At school, Buffy tells everyone that she knows where Tucker is keeping the hellhounds and she's going to take care of it. She sends them off to get ready for prom. When Giles asks if Angel's going to help her, she tells him that they broke up. Um, I understand that um, this sort of thing requires ice cream of some kind. Ice cream will come. First, I want to take out Psycho Boy. You sure? Great thing about being a slayer, kicking ass is comfort food. At prom, Cordelia shows up in her haughty dress, takes Wesley's arm, and thanks Xander. Anya regales Xander with tales of the men she's punished for their evil ways. Willow and Oz trust Buffy to make prom safe for them all. And Giles watches the door, waiting for Buffy to show up. Buffy finds Tucker and one of the hellhounds, but the others have been released already, so she books it to the school where she takes all three out and then changes into her prom dress just in time for the class awards. We're proud to say that the class of 99 has the lowest mortality rate of any graduating class in Sunnydale history. And we know at least part of that is because of you. So the senior class offers its thanks and gives you, um, a, this. It's from all of us. And it has written here, Buffy Summers, class protector. A slow song plays. Wesley asks Giles for advice on Cordelia, and Giles says she's 18, whatever, just leave him out of it. Everyone pairs off, Wesley and Cordelia, Oz and Willow, Xander and Anya. And then Angel shows up in a tux, looking for Buffy. It's just tonight, it doesn't mean that I... I know. I mean, I understand. Dance with me. So, Noel, the prom. Um, this is, I think, kind of generally a fan favorite episode. What do you think about it? Um, I have feelings about the Angel <laughs> Buffy thing. I always have. I always will. <laughs> I mean, what are okay, your feelings? All right. Okay, I have so many feelings. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I've said this before, but like my my. One wish with Angel is that he just like get it together, man. Like you're 240. Come on. Like he can sit around, he can sit around in front of the fire and like read poetry or philosophy or whatever the fuck he does all day in, yeah. you know, uh -huh. his 
right. is amazing. You have nothing but time yeah, like, to think, man. You have nothing. Like you have you you literally have eternity. Yes. And like get like oh get with the program. Get some fucking emotional maturity. Like get hip with the times, Angel. <laughs> like of course she's gonna want you to take her to prom, you dumbass. Like I wanted <laughs> I just wanted to say Angel okay, all right. <clears throat> Angel seems very confused by the yes. whole like, wait, we're going to prom together? What is happening? It's like you knew. You knew she was in high school. Right. You knew. Like, I'm just, if you're going to make him, you know, 243 or however, yeah. like, because apparently he's had a birthday by this point. Uh, um, yeah. And, well, and also he spent 100 years in a hell dimension that we don't account for in the hell math. Which, hell math, by the yeah. way, trademark buffering the Vampire Slayer podcast. If you're not listening to it, go listen to it now. Um, but yeah, so according but, to the yeah. hell math, he would be actually like 350 years old by this point around. Yeah. And he doesn't count. Mm-hmm. I guess he doesn't count that time because like he was going through a thing. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how math works in hell dimensions. I, I Maybe that's know. it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I really now I know that this is this is like a prime example of do you want to hear the story or not? Right? right. If Angel is if Angel is all like cool with the idea of like being the older vampire boyfriend at prom and, you know, let's give Buffy this, you know, this high school moment that yeah. she's been clamoring for since we met her. I mean, then there's no story. Yeah. Right. There's no conflict. There's no opportunity for Buffy to decide, well, fuck it. She's going to take this all into her own hands and, Mm -hmm. you know, dispense with the hellhounds and then change into a fucking prom dress and go to prom by herself. God damn it. Fucking badass. Right. But I just the uh, like I don't I don't love how. Sometimes Angel totally gets it. And sometimes he's all like wise and amazing and like, yeah, it's not, you know, we don't fight to win. We fight because it's the right thing to do. And if if nothing we do matters, then the only thing that matters is what we do. Like, he's great. Yeah. But then it comes to stuff that like like how, where have you been like you've been on the planet you this exist whole time. in the world like you've been dating a t- girl in high school and hanging out with high schoolers like right yeah right. pick up he on comes some of this to stuff. the high school yeah. he knows what's going on i mean yeah. he knows enough about the world to figure out to go to the butcher to go to yeah. you know the the slaughterhouse the sunnydale slaughterhouse right for Cat, you know, cow blood or pig blood or what? And yeah. I'm like, okay, so you figure that part of modernity out, right? But not <laughs> that your girlfriend, who you yeah. ostensibly love, who is in high school, might want you to take her to the prom. I just can't, I can't, men, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag oh. yes, all vampires, right? Um, oh my god! Yeah, no, I the whole thing with Angel not understanding prom, um, or not understanding like, cause I, I like I get that he's looking at this whole thing and realizing that he can't give her the things that she needs and that she wants. Like I get, totally. or that she's going to want, that she's going to need and she's going to want. Like he can't do that for her. And I get that he's struggling with that. 
Um, the and and that kind of cluelessness in somebody who never went to high school, like never had that. But he's been around high schoolers for three years. He's been around Buffy for three years. Like you, you pick stuff up. He's not a dumb guy. Like you know, he's he's not a dumb guy. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's we're trying to establish that like he is not the one who can give Buffy the things that she wants and needs things like going to prom things like having a drawer at your boyfriend's house or mirrors you know um, all of these things it's, it's meant to shine this light on on the things that Angel can and cannot do for her but the reality of it is yeah a dude can go to prom she says it's at night it's fine he can get yeah. he can put on a tax and he can go to prom he can also um not break up with her until she's had that experience like he knows it's gonna end right yeah and ordinarily in that circumstance it's the right thing to do is to tell the other person right at that moment when you know you tell the other person in this very particular circumstance where he's not breaking up with her because he doesn't love her right if he if he just wasn't into it anymore you know, and was yeah. just like, eh, I think I'd rather play the field or whatever. Um, <laughs> then that's that's one thing. That's the kind of thing you let somebody know. You don't drag them along. But uh, considering that the prom was that week and he couldn't wait to break up with her until after she'd had this experience. Um, like right? that, that was uh, that 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 prom was even an issue or that he couldn't say, you know, I need to leave, but until I go, let's enjoy our time together. Let's go to prom. Let's, you know, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Like like something like that. So all of it is, of course, geared toward ramping up the conflict and the emotional turmoil for Buffy and all of that kind of stuff. And I will say the emotional turmoil worked for me. Buffy makes me weep. Whenever she starts crying like that, I am like useless. I'm so Buffy. I'm so sorry for your pain. You know, I go through that whole thing with her. Um, and so like for for me, you know, watching it, like I I love it because when Buffy's in pain, I get to feel my feelings, you know. Which is part of what fiction does for you. you I was gonna say, thank you, fiction. Thank you, fiction. That's you had a job and you did it. Well done, right? Um, so this whole Buffy and Angel thing, on the one hand, I feel like the emotional beats work. On the other hand, it requires you to not consciously acknowledge that Angel's being kind of a dick, you know? Um and but we also have this like weird thing like we we see him waking up like they're they're, he's awake he's watching her sleep there is something inherently creepy about watching somebody sleep unless it's your baby watching babies sleep is one of the world's greatest joys but like um but watching like you know your significant other sleep feels a little bit like a violation you know because like nobody wants anybody watching them sleep it's always struck me as creepy. I mean, when we're asleep, like we are at our most vulnerable, truly. You could be drooling. You could be snoring. Like there's all <laughs> sorts of things that you don't have control over, you know, how you look when you sleep. So like so watching somebody sleep is really creepy in this particular instance, because I know that he is um, he knows that they're going to break up at this point. I think he already knows that. I think he knew that when the mayor started speaking. I think he, oh, yeah. he I think he's actually known it for a long time. The mayor I made so it too. textual and conscious, you know? Um, yeah. Well, the mayor so, said it because Angel hadn't said it yet. I get the sense yeah. from that whole exchange mm-hmm. because we've been, you know, we've been planting little seeds all along yeah. about the Buffy mm-hmm. Angel, you know, yeah. she's going to age. He's not going to. Mm-hmm. There's, 
we've had those we've had those little moments yeah for a while now but then the mayor really spells it out and is like look i've been through this i know how this goes and i think it's the mayor saying it that Mm -hmm. then angel feels like okay well now i have to acknowledge it because she's heard someone else say it but of course it's the mayor and he's evil and that adds that mm-hmm. whole layer of complication to it. Yeah, right. You know, he's a Just bad guy. Just because he's evil doesn't mean he's yep. wrong. <laughs> he's a bad guy, but he's still right. He's so, still right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's creepy. I mean, but but Angel has, like, that's his thing. Watching Buffy sleep has been his thing all along. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know, man. But yes, I completely, I completely agree that he is watching her sleep in this moment because... Yeah. He knows it's kind of like it's like, oh, I need to savor these last moments yes. before I am a complete and total dick. Right. Ugh. Exactly. Before I fuck it all up. Um, then we have this moment where Joyce shows up and I can't I, even. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> Go for um, it. Go for yeah. it. I know okay. you want to talk about Joyce. Uh, yeah. Okay, here's the thing. Um, Joyce showing up to talk to Angel is complete and total bullshit, right? Uh, this is a conversation that if she has it, she should have it with Buffy in a supportive capacity. There's a certain point where your children, and I think like, you know, for me, 15, 16, right? Um, I really put the emphasis on letting them make their own decisions and letting them make their own mistakes, right? Because you Mm -hmm. have to, and it means you cannot protect your kids from getting hurt. Your job as, as they get older, as they grow up, becomes more of a support capacity that I am here for when things all fall to shit. I am here to tell you that it's okay and get you some ice cream and help you work through it and figure out how to, how to learn from the experience. Like that's just the role you play. You don't control them anymore. You let them make their own decisions. And if they fuck something up, they fuck something up. That's how uh, you're supposed to. That's the whole point of life. You're supposed to screw it up and then figure it out. And then you and then you understand how to conduct yourself in the world. If somebody else is always making your decisions, you'll never be able to make your own decisions. So that, first of all, at this age, Buffy's 18, right? At this age, um, this is all horribly, horribly like inappropriate for Joyce to go to Angel. It's one thing for her to go to Buffy and say, hey, you know, I'm worried about you. Here are my concerns. Just something for you to think about. And I'm here for you, you know, for whatever you need. But going to Angel and controlling it and saying Buffy is a young girl in love. You know, this whole like we must protect the women folk. They cannot make decisions for themselves. She's emotional. She's in love. You know, Um she needs to make that decision for herself and Joyce not respecting Buffy's agency um, really irritates me in this moment with her. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so inappropriate. It's so, so inappropriate. It crosses, uh, it crosses so many lines, um, including a huge, a huge line of mine personally, which is, going essentially going behind someone's back yeah. you know if she had talked it's to a buffy, betrayal yeah yeah if she had talked to buffy and buffy was like no we're good and yeah. joyce was like mm, my mom's sense is tingling yeah i mean even then i don't know that it's right to go to angel but no no yeah, I, I did it's not, not right like to it. go to angel it's not I right to did go to not angel. like it Mm-mm. if you're worried about somebody you love you know be it your kid or anybody you know you have a right to sit down and talk to them 
and say, I'm worried about this for these reasons. You know, you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm here for you, whatever you decide. Mm -hmm. Like if that had been the conversation that Joyce had had with Buffy, you know, where she was. But instead, we have her going to Angel, because as we all know, women cannot make their own decisions. A man must be responsible for making all the choices. Um, That doesn't. And I understand. I understand narratively what they're doing. They're putting the pressure on Angel, right? The mayor said something to Angel. That morning they woke up. Buffy wants to go to prom, which is this weird thing. Then she opens the window and lets the sunlight in, you know, and it almost almost kills him, you know. Um, All of that (laughs) is, uh, you know, these are all like, you know, things that are are meant to show Angel, you know, that that this is wrong. He has that dream about Buffy um, where they're getting married and then she bursts into flame. And actually, that's something that I wanted to throw to you. Although this dream seems very straightforward to me again I'm not like a dream sequence person this uh, this is a metaphorical thing of like if you love her and if you marry her you're gonna destroy her and she's gonna die like I you know so I don't know did you see anything deeper in that than just that simple metaphor well I love I absolutely love the way the whole dream sequence is shot I Mm -hmm. love that And I love that it's Angel's dream and not Buffy's dream. I love Mm -hmm. that detail. I especially appreciate that the officiant says, um, if there's any man who, you know, has reason why these two should not be, you know, he's addressing the officiant. I mean, yes, it's patriarchal. And yes, that Mm -hmm. that language is common in... um, you know, a a traditional marriage ceremony in yeah. some uh, traditions. But I love that we get a little bit of foreshadowing that it's Angel's dream and that it's Angel is the one who objects to mm-hmm. them being together because he knows yeah. the truth. Um, yeah. And then, of course, he doesn't speak and they're married and they walk down the aisle together looking so incredible. Oh my oh, God! Yeah. Costume department, beautiful. I bow, I <laughs> bow to the like, yeah. So that wedding dress, I mean, such a great combination of like very. It's very sexy, but it's also mm-hmm. very modest, and she yes. just looks incredible. And then Angel has it like he's super dapper in his like long coat, yeah. Because of course yeah. he has a long tuxedo jacket you know of course course he does they look magnificent together yeah and then Mm -hmm. we get this beautiful shot of them you know as they're walking and angels looking at the stained glass windows and the sun coming through the stained glass windows and i i mean i love stained glass windows just aesthetically but to make them make them look and feel that ominous is wonderful yes Um, yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there's all kinds of deeper symbolism there, but it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like it is very straightforward. They're alone in the church. Yeah. No one is. They don't have any witnesses. There's no congregation. Mm-hmm. There's no music. Yeah. There's no. I mean, there's music. You know, there's. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel it looks very beautiful, but it doesn't feel celebratory. It feels mm-hmm. like. Oh, like hiding. They're sort yeah. of, it's sort of secret and hidden. And there's something really, really wonderful about that. And mm-hmm. oh, man, like the plant, like the, the super simple wedding bands. And it's just, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know. I love it. I love it as, and I love that we're in Angel's unconscious. Yeah. This really Mm -hmm. seems like a dream that Buffy might have. And then, of course, you would expect Angel to burst into flames. Yes, exactly. Or both of them to burst into flames. But that he watches her step into the sunlight and then completely, you know, go up in flames before his eyes. Uh, see I can't do it I can't do an analysis of it because it's just so pretty and I just love the way it looks and Mm -hmm. you're right it is very straightforward Angel you know Angel knows that if they make this relationship Mm -hmm. last or they try to make it last that Buffy will disappear yeah that everything everything about her will disappear yeah, and it also doesn't hurt him. Like, he goes out into the sun and nothing, right? He's yep. fine. So it, it's a thing where th- where him being with her benefits him and does not benefit her. Exactly. And I think that that's, you know, like the what he's understanding through this, you know. Um, and then we have this scene where they're, you know, in the sewers, which is, I think, the ideal place to break up. Right. Because, yes. you know, oh, you yeah. can have a scene in the sewer and who cares. Right. Um, but I love to when the vamp, they're in the middle of it, and the vamp shows up and Buffy's like, yeah, no time for this. And she just <laughs> takes a bit of chest. She's like, I am not even interested in you. I came down here for you, but I don't care anymore. I'm talking to my boyfriend. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Um, but the the when he breaks up with her and he says, we, you know, this has to end. And her whole response to that, which is I don't even know, like, you know, what's going on here or what's happening. Um, it's so heartbreaking. It's so sad because she loves him and he loves her. And the thing that I love about this for the writers out there, I talk a lot about false conflict, which is conflict that if people have a conversation, it will go away. Um, For anybody out there writing romantic stories, if you want to have real romantic conflict, you have to do something like this where no amount of talking is going to fix the problem. Like no matter how much you know, Romeo and Juliet talk, it's not going to make Juliet not a Capulet, right? So that's real, true romantic conflict. And that also means it's much, much harder to resolve and keep them together afterward, uh, which is why most writers go for false conflict, because that's really easy to resolve. But it's also not emotionally rewarding. And this conflict, which is, you know, yeah, he's being a dick about it. Yeah, he could at least take her to the prom first, you know, Um, but he's right. Like, he's right. This is never going to be a thing that's going to benefit her. This is she's not going to be able to have a life. You should have someone who could take you into the sun, you know? Yeah. Um, Which, of course, is such a beautiful metaphor, too. I mean, yes, literally somebody who can take her out into the sun in the daylight. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the sun that like light and warmth and nurturing and I mean, he's literally cold. Like yeah. he literally, literally, actually cold. Yeah. He is literally actually cold, and you know, to deny someone that that warmth and that joy. And I mean, we are we are a solar <laughs> people yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. we we base our so many of our our activities around. We get depressed. We have lights. Yeah. That give you more sun when you don't get enough sun. (laughs) Like, it's it's a thing. Like, that's who who we are. Um, The only thing about this that bugs me is that, 
And it, it really honestly can even come down to semantics. I don't think that he's wrong to break up with her. I think that there's something about the, I do this for you because it's best for yeah. you. You know, that yeah, denies never... her agency to make her own decisions. And that bugs me. Whereas, I mean, honestly, if he had just phrased it differently, if he had been, I can't be the person who takes that away from you. Like that yeah. honestly would have been fine with me. I can't be that guy who ruins your life. I can't be the person who takes these things away from you. That hurts me too much. That this is a decision that I am making for me because I don't want to hurt mm-hmm. you. That's fine. Yeah. To say, this is what's best for you. And I've decided what's best for you, along with your mother and the mayor. We've all gotten together and had this decision making <laughs> this party. This bizarre little family unit. A little committee. That we've got uh, we had a little committee meeting about what's best for you. And we've made this decision. So sorry, honey. You know, it's, it's honestly, it does, it really does come down to phrasing to why he's doing it. Yes, he's doing it because it's best for her, but he doesn't get to decide what's best for her. He gets to decide what's best for him. And if he loves her so much, that being the man who takes things away from her will not work for him. That is fine. Like yeah. that is absolutely his right to say that, you know? Yeah. And I think that, I think in a lot of ways it is what he's saying, but the way that he's phrasing it is this isn't good for you, honey. And I've made this decision for you. You know, and she yeah. even calls that out. She's like, don't I get a say in this? Don't I get to yeah. decide? And she's right. Her mother's yeah. out of line, you know, angels out of line. Nobody, she gets to decide. She knows what Angel can and cannot do. She knows that they can't have sex. She knows that he can't give her children. She knows all this stuff. This is not new data for her. Right. You know? So she gets to make that decision. You know, um, surprise! I'm a vampire. We're breaking up. No, exactly, like, exactly. Not... So yeah. that denial of her agency um, is bugs me, and it is it is just as simple as rephrasing. You know, and reframing the reasons why he's breaking up with her because that's what he needs, right? Yeah. Because that's when well, you break up see... with somebody, it's about you. Yeah. Yeah. And we see his pain in the dream. I mean, that's another reason why that yeah. that twist of mm-hmm. he's fine in the sun and she goes up in flames yeah. is so effective is we get to see him see that and experiencing yeah. it. And we get to see him see that and experience it. And that is what's driving this. Yes. It's not like... Yes, it is about having this perspective on what she might want in the future and not be thinking about right now. But ultimately, it really should be his decision really does need to be about his pain at watching someone he loves, you know, be Mm -hmm. be destroyed this way, essentially. Yeah. Um, And destroyed because of him. Destroyed because she loves him. Like that, I think is, uh, I'm completely on board with that. You know, it's just this whole, this is what's best for you, honey, pat, pat, you'll understand someday. (laughs) She's 18. She's the fucking slayer. She saves the world every week. Like just chill your shit and let her make her own decisions, you know? Um, So that, that bugged me about it. Um, When Buffy, oh God, when Buffy tells Willow and Willow's like, well, he's a big jerk face, you know, she's trying to make him the bad guy. And then Buffy says, I think he's right. And then Willow says, yeah, I think he is too. I wanted to root for you guys. It's like this, this interaction 
interaction with Buffy and Willow is so incredibly sweet. And then Buffy just breaks down and she knows that it's the right thing, but she can't breathe. I mean, oh my God, that, that kills me. That kills me. Every time that scene, I'm a, a bubbly mess on the floor. It's oh. just awful. I know it's just so oh. sad, you know, and it's, it's wonderful. And uh, God, I love Willow, you know, as the best friend. I'm here for the vilifying and the grousing. The it's grousing. just, yeah. it's so the, sweet. I mean, here we go again, right? With the Buffy Willow love story. And it's yes. just. It's I know. The there's best. so many it's love stories the in this. Best, the way they so are great. with each other. It's mm-hmm. so good. I love it's it. So so good. And then Buffy bumps into Angel at the Sunnydale slaughterhouse because every <laughs> small right. town has to have one, right? Yeah. Um, and it's really sweet and it's really heartbreaking. And then there's this moment where he's talking to Buffy and she says, you know, it's fine. I'm over the whole Buffy gets one perfect high school moment thing, you know, which ordinarily under ordinary, ordinary circumstances, I would probably look at that and be like, oh, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. At the same time, I'm with Buffy on that. God damn it. She wanted yeah. one thing. You had one job, Angel. <laughs> you could do. You can take her to prom. Prom is not on the beach in the middle of the day. You could right. take her to prom. You could do this for her. You could give her one thing, one moment, you know? Um, so I'm actually with Buffy on that, you know? Totally. <laughs> I don't totally. blame her for being pissed off. And I don't know. I mean, this is this is such a nitpicky thing. But didn't Buffy bring angel blood from the butcher? Why is she suddenly confused to yeah. see him? Like, yeah, she brought like, him blood when he was all feral on the ground. Yeah, she, was bringing she him blood. sees him buying blood and she's like, oh, I guess this is how you eat. You know, like, I what? guess this is what you do. Yeah, I think that she was getting the artisanal blood from the <laughs> the hipster blood shop that opened up. They just they just do oh blood and toast. God. That's it. That's it. Blood and toast. That's everything. Um, but yeah, I don't <laughs> oh god, know. Oh god, avocado toast with a blood drizzle. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I can't. Uh, 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 sorry, I forgot I was in the room. Do you ever do that? You make a joke and then uh, anyway. Uh, I'm like, oh, grossed myself out. You can cut that. You know, right it happens. Sometimes show. sometimes you follow a joke, you know, to its conclusion and it just <laughs> ends really up in a bad place. Hadn't. It ends up in a bad place. Um, so this whole thing with, you know, with Buffy and Angel is is very affecting and effective and heartbreaking. But it's it's if you look at it too closely, like a couple of small tweaks, Joyce going to Buffy instead of going to Angel, um, you know, a couple of small tweaks, Angel phrasing it as I can't be the one who destroys your life because I love you too much. And that's going to hurt yeah. me. Like all of that, like had we tweaked it a little bit, I think it would have worked a lot better without losing the, those narrative movements, you know, because yeah. Joyce going to Angel does nothing. Angel, she tells him nothing. He doesn't already know, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and yeah. The way Joyce is in that scene, like yeah. literally could have been anyone. Mm-hmm. There are some mm-hmm. Joyce personality bits in there, but I just, it, I mean, we don't need to say again that Joyce just fills whatever role they need her to yep. fill that week, but. Conflict vending machine. Oh, yep. God. Mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. I roll. She gets good just as they kill her. It's so bad. Right. I, mm. I know. Yet, it's and really And yet, irritating. I love mm-hmm. Christine Sutherland. Like, it's I know, because she's so great. The paradox of the show. One of it many. is. It is. They are very lucky many. they cast her in that role. They are very <laughs> lucky they cast her in that role or nobody would have cared when she died. Um, so Giles 
Speaking of people who can do anything you give them to do. I know. Anthony Stewart Head. Oh, my word. Oh, my God. Okay. In this episode, Giles is predominantly like support staff. Like he doesn't really, he doesn't move any of these stories forward. He he just complains when everybody's talking about prom. Uh, Mostly (laughs) the role for Giles in this is just to love Buffy. Like, I know. Um, when he finds out that she and Angel have broken up, and he says, I understand that this sort of thing requires ice cream of some kind. And oh, oh my God, I love, I love all of it. I love the way he feels everything for her so deeply, the way that he just is able to love her as a father. It is so beautiful. When, when he's at the dance and she's out, you know, doing her thing and he keeps looking at the door waiting for her to come in, you know, um, I love that. I love how proud of her when she walks in at the prom and nods at him and he smiles, he beams at her. He's so proud. Like, and most of what is awesome about Giles is not in the script. It's just what Anthony Stewart had does with this material. Yep. It is so beautiful and so touching and I just absolutely love this relationship and the thing is is that you can you know you can as as a parent one of the greatest joys of parenting are those moments where you're not doing anything you're just watching them do their thing Mm -hmm. you're watching your kid be amazing and how that feels you know, when they're discovering themselves, when they are in their in their thing, whatever it is, you know, as they grow and they just become these incredible humans and you just get to watch them be amazing. It is one of the most wonderful parenting. Parenting, just so you all know, is often a hellscape. Um, but there are moments where it's just <laughs> wonderful. You know, where it's just amazing. And um, so like Giles in this moment, I like feel that I, f- I know that experience where you're just you're so proud and they're so amazing. It has nothing to do with you. It's all about them. And it is yeah. incredibly joyful. And then when he goes up to her to tell her he's proud of her after she's been given the class protector award, which was amazing. Um and then he sees Angel and he just gently takes the umbrella from her yep. and sends her on her way. He is just I, I how much I love Giles in this episode for somebody who has so little to do with the actual narrative movement um, and who textually doesn't have a whole lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, <laughs> it is wonderful. Giles, Giles in this episode is among my favorite Giles. Yeah, he's just he's just the best. And it's most of it is in the performance when they're yeah. when they're talking about prom and he's just he has had it. He's just like, uh-huh. what? 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 Excuse me? Like, And he's, he's snarky. He's like, well, I think I would look really well, really good in a chiffon thing or whatever. Yes. <laughs> and I'm Can like, we focus you know, on the mayor and the ascension and the apocalypse? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. Yeah, look good. He has just had it with all of them and i love it so much (laughs) oh god it's so adorable and then of course he comes around and he kind of has a good time just he does being there i mean in his in his watcher way it's great it's great and his little tweed tuxedo i know it's not tweed but everything he wears kind of becomes tweed 
you know <laughs> it's, and, it's, and it's symbolically <laughs> it is symbolic tweed it is everything he touches turns to tweed in its soul right? <laughs> <laughs> but he looked good though giles in a tux man oh man i may have to take a moment i'm just saying yeah it's uh he's he's so fantastic i love him in this um another thing that i found delightful in this episode is xander and anya I uh, more Anya than Xander. I squealed. <laughs> Anya comes on screen. And I'm like, oh my god! Yay, Anya! <laughs> and this is Anya. This is the Anya we are getting. Our Anya, you yes. know, like the Anya that we know. The Anya and the Wish was a little more demon of the week. You know, mm-hmm. in Doppelgangland, she was um, she was less funny. Supporting demon moments. of the week. <laughs> Supporting demon of the week, right? Um, But now we're getting Anya as this, you know, this character who had been a demon for millennia, you know, and then all of a sudden gets stuck as a 12th grader, you know, (laughs) and I'm failing math, which is from Doppelgangland. But still, it's like that kind of thing, you know, from her. Um, I love this whole thing where she says, you know, you can laugh, but I have witnessed a millennium of treachery and oppression from the males of the species, and I have nothing but contempt for the whole libidinous lot of you. Yep. But I really want to go to prom. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Oh, it is God, so good. It's so, sweet. it's so sweet. Men are evil. Men are evil. Will, Will you, you go, go with, with me? me? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I can I can really sympathize with Anya in that circumstance. So as a straight woman, do you feel this? Yes. Like in your soul? As a straight woman. <laughs> as a straight woman, I feel this in my soul. Uh, okay. Uh, all the guys out there, calm down. I'm not saying all men are awful. I'm just saying men are awful. Um, I am, but that's my job. I'm here as, as your right. local, your local misandrist to just tell you. Right. Hashtag individual yes, all men. Individual men. Individual. Some of my best friends are men. Individual <laughs> men are lovely. Individual men are lovely. I know plenty of men who are absolutely wonderful and who I love dearly and have huge amounts of respect for. I feel like I have to say that. But as a whole, especially when you are dating and so meeting a lot of men, it can be it can be a little, you know, a little uh discouraging, I guess. A little disappointing. But anyway. Uh so That's yeah, I'm just saying sometimes as, right. Exactly. If 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 it's not deadly. But um but anyway, long story short Moving out of the misandrist part of the program, um, <laughs> it's it's very cute with Anya. Um, I really do kind of feel her her internal uh, conflict there, um, and she's doing this whole thing, you know, for uh, for Xander. You know, you were unfaithful to Cordelia. I lost my powers. I got stuck in this persona. I don't understand it. But I really want to go to the dance, and I want somebody to go with me. Um, and it's kind of sweet when she approaches Xander with that. She's like, "You're not as offensive as as many of them." Yeah. <laughs> and I know you don't have a date. So it's kind of sweet, you know, um, the way that she's approaching him. And then she says, and I know that you find me attractive. I see you looking at my breasts. And he's like, nothing personal. But when a guy does that, it just means his eyes are open. And Xander, you know, come on. Yeah, I mean, that's that's some some male pig behavior right there it's you know yeah. oh it's not you <laughs> it's it not, just you're means not his special. eyes are open don't think- also all men yeah. are incapable of of controlling their eye movements like this idea <laughs> and the thing is is that that shit is insulting to men like all those good men that i just talked about 
This is culturally, we tell men that they are little monsters who cannot control their impulses. And I get it. I get it. Men have testosterone. Men want <laughs> sex. There's this whole thing that men want sex more than women. I don't know that that's true. I'm just going to say that like men are told that not only can they not control themselves, but that they are not expected to control themselves, that it's cute, you know? That is not true. You are expected to control yourself and behave yourself like a normal, reasonable human being when you're around women, you know, whether you find them attractive or not. This is why, this is why we say men are terrible because culturally we <laughs> encourage them to be terrible. And culturally we, you know, we pat it on the head. We say, all right, this is how you're supposed to be. Um, and they're not. Men are better than that. I know because I know a lot of men who are better than that. So I'm just saying uh, we're going to get so many. I'm not even I don't even know why I'm doing the PR work. We're going to get so many letters. I don't care. Go ahead. Lonnie, go ahead. At me. Email Lonnie, me. You need a go podcast ahead. where you're just like, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that I where you just go I'm off. Just, on, it's true. Yeah. It's no, true. All of this is true. We culturally encourage men to be the worst and they're not and they shouldn't be. And they're better than that. And that's it. And I expect better. That's all I'm saying. Well, and I expect what I love, better because I know what better. What I is love so much about Anya in this in this moment where she says, mm -hmm. you know, I've seen you, I've seen you checking, you yeah. know, I've seen you checking me out. She's not, she's not judging. She's just, yeah. I am, she's an observant demon. She is it's collecting data, data yes. on these human yes. creatures. Like, mm -hmm. I just, yeah. I love this whole, like, subtextual character um, yeah. movement of Anya's that yeah. she's been around for fucking ever. She's noticed yeah. humans like she Anya knows how humans work but she doesn't know yeah. how to human and it's right so good it's <laughs> how so do perfect. you human yes like oh, how do God, you I don't so understand cute. how you human I want to go to the stance and I don't really know why and I want to <laughs> go with a boy even though men are the worst yes. like it's so good yeah. <laughs> it's so good everything Anya everything Anya makes me so so happy I and then, know and then she starts telling xander about all of the horrible things that she's done to these unfaithful so much. men it's so funny <laughs> she wanted him to cannibalize himself and let me tell you that even grossed me out like yep. oh my god so i good. love that whole thing so it's good. so wonderful and she's just so because xander... this is what we do we talk and yes. share we share exactly. our life like it's what you do it's so good let me tell you my funny work stories i do that all the time <laughs> of course my funny work stories don't usually involve, you know, like Auto making somebody eat themselves. <laughs> Auto-cannibalism. Typically, typically not. Typically not. A an occasional Wednesday, but typically not. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, so the thing, like the Xander and Anya thing, I love Anya. The way that Xander is with Anya and the way that he treats Anya from here on out, I'm going to mm -hmm. have a problem with. I have a problem with it from jump. It's yeah. bad from jump. But the Anya part of it is awesome. And right. I love her. Well, and She's the show, it's, it's interesting mm -hmm. the way the show kind of co-signs the way Xander yeah. dehumanizes Anya because she's not totally human. Like, yeah. in a way, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is okay, but, right. and, not but, and she is not totally human. Yeah. So for mm -hmm. him to treat her like she's not human is kind of okay question mark like it 
It's a weird. No. It's a it's a weird needle to try to thread. No, okay, and I she was a demon. She yeah, that's, is human now. Yes, she's human now. Right. And so he him not treating her him acknowledging her background and treating her with respect due to somebody who if she had her powers would flay you alive yeah <laughs> treating her with the respect for her powers for her experience for her knowledge um that i can see not treating her as human like so i think that i think that that's kind of what you're saying that that yeah. like acknowledging that she has a broader span of experience that that transcends humanism that's fine treating her the way that he treats her the lack of respect that he shows her in almost every interaction the way that he makes her the butt of the joke all the time with his friends mm -hmm. they're not her friends yeah they're his friends like all of the stuff that he does with anya um makes me hate Xander. I hate Xander when yeah. he's with Anya. I love yeah. Xander in other circumstances, but I hate Xander when he's with Anya. I think that it brings out the absolute worst of him. Mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, you know, and here's the thing, like I get from the writer perspective where that comes from. Uh, the jokes are terrible, but they do sometimes tend to be funny. Uh, Emma Caulfield is a goddamn comic genius, and she can make anything funny. So the fact that they turn Anya into a comedy mule for like four seasons, you know, um, it gets old for me because I think that she's better than that. She deserves better than that, both the character and the actress. At the same time, when you have somebody who is that freaking funny and that flawless in her comic, you know, execution, I get why the writers want to play with that that's so much fun but that becomes the only thing that she is is the butt of the joke mm -hmm. you know yeah and uh and after a while that gets really really old for me because she's so much more than that we find out in season seven we uh, oh once, yeah once she and xander split up in season six mid-season six once they split up um then she is allowed to be and that's the other thing too that when she's with xander when she's got a man she's the butt of the joke when she's right. broken up from xander then suddenly she's allowed to be a full and complete human being what the fuck with that well and i feel that i mean i've i have seen that with women in my life mm -hmm. um and you know and oh, i've done that i've yeah. been on you <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm not you know yeah. and i'm not saying that it's okay um, at all, the way Xander treats her. What yeah. I'm getting at is that we do these, I mean, there's always some sort of, um, you know, crazy hoop jumping that we do, we writers, we creators, we mm -hmm. audience members, to justify why a character we love, Xander, yes. is behaving mm -hmm. so horribly to another character yes. that we really grow to love. Anya. Yeah. So we have mm -hmm. this, it's it's like you create this. Oh God, I don't even know. It's kind of like it's kind of like my my old beef with the Buffy Angel relationship that, oh, mm -hmm. they're so in love because the show says they're so in love and I don't see it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if other if other folks see it, that's wonderful. Um, but I don't see it. It's mm -hmm. kind of the same, like, it's okay for Xander to treat Anya this way because the show says it's okay, right. but it's really not okay, you know? Like, <laughs> maybe I'm not yeah. expressing this clearly, but I just... I, no, I, I completely and it's not, understand. And this is not unique to Buffy 
in any no. way. Like this is a thing that happens in fiction, in comedy. Um, I think in comedy, especially, we find ways to say, okay, yes, like if you if you think about how horrible this mm-hmm. is, it's actually really horrible, but here are reasons mm-hmm. why it's okay. So we make Anya this yeah. like, she doesn't know how to human. Therefore, yeah. mm-hmm. therefore, you know, behaving around her as though she is less than human is world's biggest air quotes acceptable, right? Like right. that's kind mm-hmm. of from a, you know, it's like saying the show thinks it's okay that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, Anya, Anya is delightful. Even when, even when they give her just the worst, they give her the worst stuff to do. She is just. Yeah. She might be my favorite part of the whole series. I'll she's have to think on that. She's pretty fantastic. Yeah, she's, she's pretty, pretty fantastic. Great. Pretty great. Yeah, no, I love her. Um, and it's funny, too, because Xander with Anya is is pretty awful. Um, although at this point, they're not dating and she has not been exactly flattering to him. So like, no. in this particular, <laughs> the only thing I don't like is that just means my eyes are open, not necessarily because of the way it treats Anya, because of the way it treats men, because of the way, it, you know, and I've been through that. We've already been down that rabbit hole. So let's just keep moving. Um, <laughs> we but go down Xander that rabbit hole Cor- every three weeks. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's very true. We really do. Um, Xander and Cordelia. Yeah, this is we've had this, you know, this sniping back and forth, this really cruel, you know, trading of blows constantly between Xander and Cordelia. And this episode is when, like, she has that moment of vulnerability. Yeah, you know, she has that moment where he's seen her, you know, working the dress shop and doing all of that. Um, and it's so humiliating for her. And she's like, go ahead, tell all your friends, enjoy it, you know. And then he goes and like, and you know, he's been saving up money. He's got money he's saving up for his road trip because he's not going to college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know where he's getting that money from because his parents, I don't think, have money and he doesn't have a job. But anyway, whatever. Um, who knows? He might be doing something on the side. It's Xander. Who knows? Um, but he saved up this money for his road trip. He's going to spend some of it on a tux. And then he spends some of it on paying off Cordelia's dress for her, which is such an act of love and kindness. And then when she comes in, you know, with Wesley and he says, the dress looks good on you. And she says, thank you. Like, yeah, without textually having a whole conversation, they just look at each other and they're healed. They're Mm -hmm. friends again. And it is so wonderful. I love that moment so much. And I love that Xander did that. And this is the thing. This is the Xander that I love. You know, it's that guy um, that he would do that for somebody who has been excessively cruel to him. I mean, granted, with good reason. He cheated on her. You know, she was pissed and she was hurt. Um, but it's been excessively cruel to him and her, her his friends for months, you know. Yeah. Um, and then when he sees her in pain, when he sees her vulnerable... He does this incredibly kind thing um, just to make sure that she has a dress for the prom. And it's such a lovely moment. Um, and I love that moment between them where they smile at each other and it's it's all done. This, you know, anger and this recrimination between them. It's just done. It's yeah. so nice. Yeah. So speaking of Cordelia... Uh, We have the Wesley and Cordelia thing, which, you know, we've talked about at length and we don't have to go deeply into. um, I don't care if she's 18 or, you know, in reality, 30. 
Um, <laughs> he's not a teacher. I don't care that he's not even officially associated with the school. Um, which is you know, which weird. also was like, why didn't why didn't the Watchers get him a cover job at the school? I don't know. Um, but the thing is, the whole thing is still gross. It's still gross. And even when Giles says, for God's sake, man, she's 18 and you have the emotional maturity of a blueberry scone. Just have at it and stop <laughs> fluttering about, which is probably the most British thing that Giles has ever said. And he said a lot of British things. Um, this whole thing with with Wesley and Cordelia remains gross. It just is. I don't care if she's 18. She's a high school student. It's just weird. It's just weird. I don't know. I don't know. Is that just me? No, I don't think it's just you. I don't think it's just you. I don't think it. I mean, that's that's where the line is for you. I just find it so funny that yeah, we have to keep like we have to keep going around about this. Not we, you and me, but like the show. Mm-hmm. And finally, Giles is just like, oh, for fuck's yeah. sake, like <laughs> everybody just get it together. Mm-hmm. Like. I love I love Giles not having any time for this bullshit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and it is like, it's kind of gross. But when Cordelia walks in and Wesley chokes on his on his yeah. appetizer, I'm just a little bit. I'm I'm kind of. But it's still. It. Yeah. Just a little. I don't know. Like, uh, I think. Uh, yeah. Just, I mean, it, it grosses me out, but at the same time, it is really sweet. And I just, I love Alexis Denisov. I love Wesley. I, okay, my thing for Wesley is not this version of Wesley. It's the version of Wesley that goes dark in Angel. Like season four, Wesley is really right. what I'm there for, for Angel. And there's not a lot of good things in season four. Wesley holds that season together for me over <laughs> in, uh, in Angel. Um, so I've got a thing for Wesley anyway, you know? Um, so like a part of it, and a part of it too is the fact that this woman actually is 30 years old looks 30 years old acts almost 30 years old like there's just something about her that has this this air of maturity and worldly experience um that an actual 18 year old would so when you look at it without thinking about it it's kind of cute you know i mean like it works but when i think about the fact that she's 18 she's a child she's you know I don't know. The whole thing, it just, it's one of those things. It just wigs me. It wigs me. Students that are in a, a, a school, I don't feel like anybody who's not a student also in that school should be. It just feels wrong to me. And maybe I'm oversensitive to it. No. Maybe I'm just oversensitive to it because I've spent so much time as a teacher, mm. you know? Um, and so I don't know. Maybe that's it. I don't know. It just It's one of those. It's a line for me. That just squigs me. I think that there are are decent arguments for why I shouldn't be as bothered by it by as I am, but I just am. It's just how I am. You get to be um, bothered by whatever you're bothered by. I mean, thank you. God knows. Thank you. God knows. I'm bothered by plenty of shit on this show that other people are like, <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> what the problem is, and I'm like, this is, what is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. It's all personal, you know, personal trigger. Some things are just outright wrong. Like I think there are some things where we're absolutely sure were correct that it's wrong you know <laughs> no i'm um, right but about there this. are some things i'm right about this trust me when i say i'm right about this we're about to hit one of those yep. um but uh but, but some of them are just like this is just a personal moral line for me this is a personal trigger for me um so yeah so i have issues with that the thing that i'm absolutely not wrong about is oh for fuck's sake incel this kid 
who yeah. is raising hellhounds to kill everybody at prom because he asked a girl and she said no. And this is the thing. He asked a girl and she said no. And rejection is hard. I get it. It's tough. And it's tough because men are always expected to initiate. Men end up in this arena in general, culturally having to deal with a lot more rejection generally than women do. I get it. Like that's not easy to deal with. On the other hand, or actually, I'm sorry, on the only hand, hand. here. Oh, God. Uh, exactly. <laughs> like, there is, it is not funny that this kid gets rejected by a girl for going to prom. And so he's going to send in hellhounds to kill everyone at prom. Um, that's not okay. That indicates um, that asking for someone to go with you means that that you don't risk having them say no, that that's not a risk that you take on, that if they say no, then they need to suffer for saying no, which, by the way, is something that women deal with on a grand scale all the time. It is terrifying, right? Um, which is often why we'll say, I'm sorry, I'm currently owned by another male. <laughs> and that is the reason why I'm turning you down. Um, mm -hmm. I have a boyfriend. I have a husband. I have I wear a ring on my my wedding finger because like I just I I don't care. I just want to I want something that says I'm owned. Leave me alone. It like when I'm interested in somebody, I'll let that. the chances yeah. that people will leave you the fuck alone. But, you know, it does. It does. It, it does. I mean, but it's just one of those things like, you know, that's it. Um. So. Uh, so anyway, the whole thing is um is it's this incel culture that we have, by the oh, way. God. If Which you is, want to look, yeah. if you don't know what I'm talking about, and you don't want to look Google it up, it. you can, but I'm telling you, your, your <laughs> everyone, world will not be made better. Everyone who listens to the show it. knows what's going on with dudes yeah, on should. the internet. I'm just, they yeah. should. But, it's terrible. You know, here so, we are in 1999 um, with this, with yeah. the same kind of, the, the same narrative. I mean, this is nothing, yeah. it's nothing new. The, you know, yeah. guy gets rejected down, so and shoot up he goes school. berserk yeah. and that's not okay but it makes sense we agree that it makes sense because we agree that this happened uh, it's one of those things this is played off as a joke this is played off as funny right and one thing you know with jokes is that we say oh haha ha, it's funny because it's true um in this circumstance it is not funny because it's true. Yeah. Because in, in one form or another, this has happened, not with hellhounds typically, but with guns. Yeah, mm -hmm. this happens. Women get killed for saying no to men. It happens. Um, you know, it's a real danger. Uh, you know, in, invoking male anger is is a real thing. And um, and this sense of entitlement that that he asked this girl, she did not have the right to say no. So she said no. So now she and everybody must pay for that. Uh, that is not a funny joke to me because it's it's a little too close to reality. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I want to just say very quickly is that Oz in this episode is a goddamn delight. Um, <laughs> I love the moment where he's like, once again, the Hellmouth puts the special in special occasion, like just commenting on the fact that we can't even have a freaking prom you know, without yeah. this shit happening. Um, and then when Willow is at prom and she's worried yeah. and he says, what, do you think Buffy's going to let us down? Like, oh my God. and then she's like, oh, let's go have snacks. Um, <laughs> because he, his faith in Buffy is so absolute. What do you think? Buffy's not going to take care of this. You know, 
it, it's so wonderful and i love that 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 clean simple faith in buffy it's one of my favorite things yeah so wonderful and of course of course she takes care of everything mm-hmm. because buffy's a freaking badass she does she does also uh you know the the class award the class protector yeah. that jonathan says that to her they they made her this little umbrella this special award that the the class of 99 at sunnydale high has the lowest mortality rate of any class in the history of sunnydale (laughs) um i mean which considering how many kids died that's wow that's a dark but this is not a place you want to bring your children to live um yeah uh, the the class protector thing is so wonderful that Jonathan gives it to her after the events of Earshot. You know, he yeah. has been saved by her in a couple of circumstances. Um, it's it's so wonderful and it's so touching. And that with the class protector award always makes me cry. Yeah, it's so sweet and it's so genuine. There's no mm-hmm. little bit of snark. We're not making any, yeah. you know... There's no low blow at Buffy. It's just, it's just genuine love mm-hmm. and admiration. And, and it's, it's really, it's so, it's uh, <laughs> feelings. It's so many feelings. Sweet. <laughs> After everything that Buffy went through in this episode, she's like, I just wanted to go to prom. And then my boyfriend broke up with me. And now we've got these hellhounds and I'm still fucking going to prom, but I'm going to kill these things first. And then I'm going to get changed outside. <laughs> You know, put pull my dress out of my pack in the middle of the, you know, Sunnydale quad. Um, it was just, it's really, really great. Then she goes in and Giles is so proud of her. She gets this class award. And it's like, we see Buffy get kicked all the time. She's constantly getting kicked. Nobody appreciates what she does. Nobody, I mean, the, the Scoobies do, but nobody else knows what she sacrifices every day to keep them safe. So to have this acknowledged textually, to have them give her an award, is so wonderful and I love how touching that is and then Giles comes up to her and says you know you're amazing and all the stuff that he says to her which is beautiful then he gently takes the umbrella from her and Angel comes in in the tux which is something that he could have done anyway whatever but he shows up in the tux I guess having realized how wrong he is and having (laughs) sat there in his wrongness long enough to figure that shit out right um shows up in the tux and has this dance with her and she's you know he's like it's just for now it can't be anymore and she's like I understand and it's such a sweet moment so that whole like end of the prom um was just so touching and I also love that I don't know if you saw this in the background but Jonathan had a date yes Jonathan had a pretty girl I love it and it was really sweet I liked that I liked that we didn't make Jonathan sit in the corner be the butt of the joke again and be the you know the short guy who can't get a date which by the way short guys just as great as tall guys you know um so I really liked that they didn't make him the butt of the joke that they gave him a date that was really nice so Noelle what are you wearing what am I wearing well I'm recording in a car in my garage and it's summertime so not much (laughs) Oh, did you mean for this episode of Buffy? What the... Jesus! Uh, Noelle, are you okay? There's a fucking man in my fucking garage! Oh my god. Noelle? Noelle LaCroix of Chipperish Media. Who the fuck are you? I need to speak to someone from Chipperish Media right now. No, no. What you need to do is get the hell out of my house. uh, Excuse me, that is my microphone! Hello, this is Clive Fletcher. Clive Fletcher? You mean the actor from the Patreon ads? 
I'm not an actor. I'm Clive Fletcher of the Watchers Council, and I'm in serious danger. There's a woman, Bryony Wheaton. Yeah, she's the other actor from the agency, right? No, you think it's an agency, but we are actual Watchers, and right now I'm in grave danger. No, you're an actor, and I paid you to do a job, Clive, which, by the way, you haven't even done this week. Pardon me? Look, I prepaid you guys for all of season three. Then in the middle, suddenly you disappear and this woman is doing it. And you know, whatever, fine, as long as I'm getting the work. But this week, I got nothing from you guys. So as long as you're in Noelle's garage, you want to do the job we paid you for? Uh. The script is right there on Noelle's computer. You can read it while she calls the police. Noelle, call the police. I'm going to get a frying pan. Well. Uh, okay, um. You had one job, Clive. Um, Shipperish Media makes all the podcasts you love, free and ad-free. Podcasts about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel the Series, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how story works, explosive inspiration, and Star Wars. Visit Patreon.com. Oh, yes. Visit Patreon.com slash Chipperish to donate a dollar a month or whatever you can afford to keep Chipperish Media going, producing great podcasts about great stories. Thank you. Jeez. Okay, now someone can help me? Bryony Wheaton is trying to have me killed, and I need... Okay, I'm back. Oh my god, are you okay? I'm fine. He's gone. Believe it or not, this is not the first time something like this has happened to me. Wait, this is not the first time an actor has broken into your garage while you're recording a podcast? I don't know if he was an actor. Damn. Seattle's weird. Okay, but you're sure you're all right? Oh yeah, I'm fine. So... Want to finish up? Because I think I have maybe 15 minutes before one of the kids comes in here and we play that whole scene again. Okay, sure. Uh, so, Noelle, what are you wearing? Well, I already talked about uh, Buffy and Angel's amazing wedding yes. dream mm-hmm. sequence attire and just uh, holy shit. Like, it just... Mm-hmm. I've, I, I wish I could tell you why it looks and feels so perfect, but it just does. Yeah. There's a level of... There's a level of fashionable there that feels mm-hmm. very angel to me, um, but also just looks so right for the the dream sequence. And then, of course, we get to yeah. see everybody in their prom finery, which is so wonderful. Yeah. And holy yeah. crap, does Willow just look adorable? Those little... Oh, my God. I mean, her little dress, but then the little buns in her hair. That yes. was... God, I remember that from... She's so The cute. late 90s, the updo that was just a bunch mm-hmm. of little twists. Yeah. And we see it on several of the other prom yeah. attendees. And it's mm-hmm. delightful. It's so good. It it's is. so good. And of it's course, so you know, sweet. I mean, Buffy looks phenomenal. Of course, she looks phenomenal. Uh-huh. She's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She looks freaking awesome. It's perfect like everything and i love i love how different her prom dress is from her wedding finery it's not angel angel imagined this thing that is very it's like how he sees buffy and how Mm -hmm. she shows up to prom you know there was I, I could see the the discussion, the potential discussion of, uh-huh. all right, well, how similar does she look in this moment? Because, yeah. of course, that's, I mean, that's part of what prom is, right? It's the first, yeah. like, real formal occasion for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it is, there's yeah. this little bit of, like, pre-wedding-y sort of vibe. I mean, yes. a lot of people, yes. a lot of people go to prom mm-hmm. in 
limousines and make a huge deal yep. out of it. And it is kind of that mm-hmm. first like big deal um, relationship thing for a lot of people. Like having yeah. a date yeah. to prom is a big deal. Having someone yeah. and you're sort of playing bride and groom um, to be all uh-huh. heteronormative yes. about it. So to mm-hmm. have her right. show up to prom in something mm-hmm. that is not wedding-y. I think is really, really great. Um, Yeah. And definitely speaks to that uncertain future for Buffy and Angel. I mean, it's not an uncertain future. They're not, they're, you know, they're not going to be together forever, but it is that kind Mm -hmm. of, it's only for now. It's only for prom. And which is a nice moment. Yeah. It's nice to have the now sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and of course, Sexy Willow is just, is among yeah. my favorite Willows. You had some Willow <laughs> notes for wardrobe this week. Oh, yes. I love, she has this outfit, um, like earlier in the episode where it's this, uh, blue sweater over a perfectly matching blue. It's not a twin set, but it has twin set vibes to it, you know, um, over this blue striped, blue and green striped shirt with a little cat on it. Mm-hmm. And it has this hint of of you know maturity to it and yet it's still playful it has confidence it's stylish um it's so incredibly cute and i think it's it's we're seeing in willow's fashion this this evolution of who she is and um and it's really cute and i just liked seeing that i thought it was kind of adorable yeah she's willow willow's wardrobe i know i've said it before but it's it's a character Mm -hmm. In its own right, yeah. almost. It's so yeah, great. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. All right. So girl power moment of the week. I had, um, like, I think Buffy. Oh, yeah. Uh, taking out three hellhounds and then pulling a dress out of her <laughs> fucking weapons bag. Yep. And going to prom alone after being dumped by the love of her life. That is bad ass. Yeah. I loved all of that. Oh, yeah. And her whole, like, like Buffy in you know capricorn mom mode you all go to the motherfucking prom have a good time (laughs) i will handle it like i just love it she's like god damn it (laughs) go have fun and they all like scurry off it's so wonderful yes she has got this she knows she's got this she's Mm -hmm. heartbroken whatever she's gonna kick ass anyway Oh my god. I love it. Oh I god. love it. It's so it's so great. So Noel, what's your favorite part? Well, I mean, everything Anya is my favorite part. Um right. but I I cannot get over Giles just saying you have the emotional maturity of a blueberry scone. <laughs> <laughs> it's so adorable. Do what you're gonna it's do, so man, adorable. and leave me out of it. It's I wonderful. Love it. Peak British love Giles. It so love it so it's much. It's so British. He's so British. So British. I love it. Yeah. What's your favorite part, Lonnie? Um, Everything Giles. Giles showing such incredible parental love for Buffy. uh, You know, the call for ice cream. um, Watching her to come in at prom. His beaming with pride when she nods at him to say that, yeah, I took down three hellhounds and I look this good. You know, Um, I love that. (laughs) Taking the umbrella for her so she can talk gently, taking the umbrella from her hands so that she can go and be with Angel. 
Everything, Giles, warms my heart in this episode so much. It makes me so happy. He's wonderful. And he's... Plus, yeah. Anthony Stewart has yeah, talks. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't suck. I mean, <laughs> I mean, really. That's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Dine Rich and Noel at Noel Loud and use the hashtag StillPretty. Or you can keep Tripperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat and Discord where you can hang out with Lonnie and me and all the Tripperish patrons who have the emotional maturity of blueberry scones, which can be lots of fun. It really can be. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a great review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by offering ice cream to the brokenhearted. Coffee, mocha, chip, please. <laughs> like, yes. Oh. We will be back next time with Graduation Day Parts 1 and 2, the 21st and 22nd episodes of Season 3. Until then, what do you think? Buffy's going to let us down? Buffy's going to let us down.